Welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you optimize your health, fitness, and mindset on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My name is Maxim Seguin. I am a former triathlete, powerlifter, bodybuilder, and basketball player. I've been vegan for nine years. I've also been able to coach over 350 vegans from 20 different countries to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you to listen to today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, we have a reoccurring guest, my nutrition coach, Mr. David. We had him on, I think, like maybe a month ago when we talked about reverse dieting. Um, so very excited to have him back on the show. David, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad, man. I appreciate you coming back on, or allowing me to come back on, I should say. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, honestly, your episode that we recorded about reverse dieting is the one that got the most listens for like the past full month. Um, oh, that's so great. People really enjoyed it. I got some messages from people. It was like, it was really insightful and they didn't know all the intricacies about reverse dieting and how it took place and the duration and all of that. So it was definitely greatly appreciated from the audience. Well, I'm glad that one got a lot of hits. Cause I mean, it, it seems like everybody knows everything about fat loss, right? But yeah. you know, getting that information out there, um, about how to come out of fat loss and get healthy again and, and everything that's, it's, it's great to hear that one got a lot of hits because that's not usually one of the more popular topics is coming out of a fat loss phase. So, yeah, well, I, I've been talking about reverse dieting for like two and a half years. And mm. so I've been like talking to people like, Hey, this is important. You do this. Like honestly doing a fat loss phase without even wanting to do a reverse dieting is not even worth it. Like don't even take that on. Yeah. It's, you know, th there's, there's a lot of fear that mm. comes about not being in a fat loss phase, which is, yeah you know, I think a lot of that has to do with society and, you know, the decades and decades of misinformation out there and the, the drastic, you know, overnight weight loss success and everything like that. I think that that, yeah. you know, as humans, we, we want instant results. You yeah. know, that it's, it's nothing wrong with you. If you're listening to this and you want instant results, it's not like you're something's wrong with you. You're human. That's mm -hmm. natural. And we live in a society where, you know, we can, I've got Amazon boxes right outside of my office here that, uh, you know, I ordered last night, you know, we get it yeah. right, right away. And, but that's not how nutrition, that's not how your physique, that's not how your health works. We're, we're not an Amazon prime, you know, we need to take our time and everything. I think people, you know, a lot of people struggle with body image issues. They struggle with confidence. They struggle with you know, acceptance from others. And those are all normal human emotions. And then when you start, you know, going through a fat loss phase and you start looking better and, and you start feeling better about yourself, you're gaining all this confidence, you're gaining all this stuff that you feel like you were lacking before. It's hard to give that up. And it's hard to accept the fact of not being in that very lean state, that ripped state, that state that, <clears throat> you know, everybody aspires to, you know, look like those Instagram models and, and actors and stuff. That's, I'm not going to say it's not realistic because it's, it, it can be realistic. It's just not realistic long-term and to yeah. not have a plan to get yourself back healthy. Um, I think you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. I like we said about instant gratification because you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of pain sometimes when it comes to confidence, to comfort within your own body on a day to day. And like, yes, you would like to get rid of that discomfort and that pain immediately, but 
you know, unfortunately it took months or potentially years to get you in that place. And now it will take not as long, but it'll take you still some time to, to get out of it. And that's why I'm excited for today's podcast because we're going to be talking about psychology of transformation. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on like all the stages, but we're going to do, there's fat loss. We're going to do reverse dieting, muscle building, and potentially maintenance. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could, we could dig into prep, but I mean, that's pretty much, that's a whole nother level. That doesn't really apply to, I think the majority of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we could potentially go into prep if we wanted to go there, but that's, I think those four areas that you covered are what 95% of the listeners are going to be focused on. Yeah. Well, let's start with the most popular one, which would be fat loss. Right. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can just go through the process. Let's just go like fat loss, reverse diet, maintenance, and muscle building. Yeah. So preparing to go into a fat loss phase is, you know, it's very exciting for a lot of people. So a lot of people feel like they have a weight to lose. So you can get this rush of adrenaline at the start, you know, pick any goal. It doesn't matter what it is. You're really excited at the start. Right. What people tend to do is going back to that whole lack of patience thing that we were talking about at the beginning is they want it right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And and can you lose a lot of weight quickly? Yeah, you can, you can, but are you going to be able to keep it off? And so this is where, you know, mentally preparing yourself for a, a little bit, maybe more of a drawn out fat loss phase, one that you don't have to get so drastic on right away. One that's going to keep your energy levels high, keep you mentally engaged. So you got to remember that the majority of people out there are going to be undergoing a fat loss phase while still working, while still having a family, having a social life, all this stuff. You, you can't, you can't just become a hermit. You know, a lot of people do. And what happens is relationships get ruined, work suffers, your mental health suffers and everything because humans are not meant to be hermits. So going into the fat loss phase, you need to, you know, just mentally prepare yourself for a very sustainable rate of weight loss and have a plan to build in diet breaks or refeed days when needed. Now, a lot of people will start throwing those in right off the bat. If you're 30 pounds overweight, you've got a long time before you need a diet break or before you need, you know, a refeed day. So understanding, you know, what sort of feelings am I going to be feeling during this fat loss phase, like preparing yourself ahead of time so that nothing is as much of a shock to you. Right. And, and for me, and, you know, I learned this from Dr. Bill Campbell and from Lane Norton and and some of the great mentors that I had over the years, um, a very sustainable rate of weight loss without worrying about losing too much muscle mass. Um, now there is going to be lean body mass that you lose along the way, but, but lean body mass is not just muscle. It's water, it's organs, it's skin, all this stuff. So it's everything that's not fat in your body. So people would get scans done and they'll say, they'll show that their lean body mass is decreasing. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm losing so much muscle, you know, and that's not necessarily the case. 70% of your muscle is made of water. So as you start decreasing, especially carbohydrates, you're going to start losing some water weight. So you're going to feel deflated. You know, that's a, that's actually an issue I'm having with a, a client right now where she's feeling very deflated. She feels like she's losing a lot of muscle. Exactly. And it's, it's explaining to her, you know, this very thing that I'm talking to you about right now, where, you know, you are losing a good amount of body fat, but you're also losing a lot of water. You're not losing your muscle tissue. I mean, you know, 
might be a whole nother podcast talking about how long it actually takes to lose cross-sectional muscle fiber tissue. But, um, you know, preparing yourself mentally going into this phase about what you might feel like energy levels, uh, your gym performance, you know, cause as you start getting down lower and lower, you can't expect to be hitting the same weights that you might be hitting when you're heavier and you're, uh, you have more glycogen and you're carrying a little bit more body fat, you know? So just really visualizing and, and talking to someone about what sort of things do you, might you come across as you, yeah. as you attempt this fat loss phase, going back to the sustainable rate of weight loss, you know, about half a percent to 1% total body weight loss per week is about that limit to where, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose majority of, of body fat and, and water and preserve your lean body mass more, yeah. your muscle tissue and stuff like that. So explaining to people, you know, we don't want to have a fast rate, you know, it might feel good. It might make you feel good right away. And it's okay if there's a week or two, where maybe you're above that 1%. But we don't want that consistently because we want to make sure that you're maintaining enough energy in the gym because your gym output is a huge component of your total daily energy expenditure, right? Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're keeping that up. We want to make sure that you're lifting hard so that you can maintain the muscle as we're dieting down. And we also want to learn habits along the way that are going to allow you to sustain this fat loss long-term. And what I mean by that is not that you're perpetually in a fat loss phase, but that you don't allow yourself to get to that 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, whatever it is you may be, right? That's all usually comes from bad habits. So we, we want to educate along the way and learn during this. And it all starts by mentally preparing yourself for, you know, going a little bit slower, um, you know, having realistic goals and expectations and benchmarks to hit along the way. And then just understanding um, a little bit more about what you should maybe be feeling at each stage so that you don't get there and you start freaking out. And it's like, Oh my gosh, my sleep's a little off. That, that'll happen. If you get a little bit deeper into a fat loss phase, Yeah, um, you know, hunger might get thrown off. That's a sure, that's a sure tail sign that if you've been dieting long enough that you probably need to, start thinking about a reverse diet, but yeah, it, it's just about understanding that faster isn't always better. Yeah. And actually rarely is it better. Yeah. There's like, um, I remember when I did my last cut, not this last one, but I went in Tulum with you. Like at the end, I just had like a deep, like hunger. Like I, I there's a time where like I could just eat and it would just never be full. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you two questions about what you shared about the process. Like, you know, you've coached a lot of people throughout the years as well there is like a, a psychological aspect to coaching people because some people like you kind of want to get people like a f like some fat loss at the beginning. Right. But the thing is some people want like a greater deficit when they start off because they want to see the weight drop off faster. But the thing is you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot for three months down the road when you need to create an additional calorie deficit and you remove the whole big chunk from the start. Yeah. There's, there's a couple ways to look at that. I mean, yes, absolutely. I agree with you with, with that. Um, if you don't have a plan in place along the way. So some of those people that I like to, I like to kind of assess the client at the beginning and say, you know, that's where talking to them really helps and really kind of getting a background, um, a feel of their background and their dieting history, because if somebody is going to struggle mentally going into that deep, um, 
going into that deep deficit right off the bat's probably setting them up for failure, right? Yeah. But if somebody who doesn't seem like it's going to throw them off, you know, uh, mentally and ruin everything and all that, I have no issue with putting them in a little bit more of a deficit off the bat. But what we're going to do is build in diet breaks a little bit more frequently so that yeah. we can try to keep the metabolism as, as hot as we possibly can. And we can avoid that burnout. We can avoid that exhaustion as much as we possibly can, but still getting that that good bit of fat loss off at the beginning and getting their confidence up and, and things like that. So yeah, I think it depends on, on the client. I think it depends on um, also what kind of time frame are they yeah. looking at? Yeah, you know, I'm not one that likes to do super fast fat loss phases, but you know, let's be real. There's there's certain circumstances, photo shoots, you know, certain contests people want to enter and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we did with your first one, we did 16 weeks and um, you know, that's, that's a, I think a pretty good, a pretty good time frame for a fat loss phase. But like, you know, if you're looking at like eight weeks or something, you're going to have to get a little bit more aggressive, but you're not in that short amount of time, you're not really going to, I don't want to say damage your metabolism, but it's not long enough to really cause long-term yeah. harm. It's, it's the prolonged, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 months of dieting and then doing that frequently over and over and over that that's what's really going to start messing with your metabolism and stuff like that. So, you know, that is a strategy to go a little bit more aggressive at the beginning. I mean, I, I don't really like to do more than about a 25% decrease in calories from where someone's coming to me from. Yeah. Um, but that's also going to depend on where they're coming from. You know, there's yeah. some people that are starting at, you know, some guys that are starting at 4,000 calories. There's some women that are starting at 1800 calories. You know, it's, it's all just a very individual based thing, but by talking to the client, by getting a feel for their dieting history, um, what kind of goals they are wanting to accomplish, what their lifestyle is like, like, are they a busy professional? Do they have a lot of kids and a family? And, you know, is this, is this realistic for them to do this really drastic cut? Yeah. Uh, do they have a support system, you know, things like that. So all of that has to be taken into consideration for sure. Yeah. And I, and I definitely, that's why I love working with you. And, you know, I, I've studied some of the work of Dr. Campbell as well and Lane Norton. That's kind of how I got more educated, bought some of Lane's courses about reverse dieting and fat loss. We're kind of in the same boat of being like steady and gradual with the fat loss. Because yeah. I come from a history of like doing being in a bodybuilding space where the coach was like, hey, you want to lose two pounds a week? Let's just cut off a thousand calories, right? Because it's 3,500 calories for a pound. Therefore, two pounds, a thousand calorie deficit per day. But you're starving off the from the start. You're potentially sacrificing a ton of muscle mass at that rate of, of, of a deficit from the start. Yeah. And so wondering what is your thought on that? Because it's so common amongst like just social media, fat loss and kind of coaches that are just getting started that kind of want to guarantee a fat loss for their clients. If you starve anyone to lose weight, we'll just put that out there. But yeah. what are your thoughts on like <laughs> a thousand calorie deficit for like a two pound fat loss per week? Uh, listen, I mean, if someone, if someone is really overweight and you know, borderline obese, then I kind of throw that 1% total body weight number out the window mm -hmm. because they can safely lose a bit more quicker. Yeah. Um, 
without, you know, they've got so much reserves, so much fat reserves that we're trying to tap into. Um, you know, the, the amount of deficit is really, you know, it's going to be dependent on where they're at. I mean, you know, we talk about a thousand calorie deficit. If you're coming from 4,000 to 3,000 calories, yeah, I have no issue with that. Yeah, because it's you know not I mean? based off their theoretical number. It would be based off like how much they're currently eating. Correct. Right. Now, if you're talking, you're taking in, you know, 2,500 or 3,000 calories and you drop down to 2,000 calories, you know, for a guy, I, I don't think that's very sustainable right off the bat. Um, <laughs> uh, we went out to not 21. To say that over hungry. Time, not to say that over time, you know, depending on how much weight they want to lose and how their body's responding, we might not have to get down there for a little bit. Yeah. But to do that right off the bat, no, it's, it's, it kind of just goes back to that 25% deficit right off the bat um, is about, about the limit that I would like to go. Um, now, when we do like mini cuts and stuff like that, that's kind of where I get that number based off of is that you kind yeah. of do about 25. In some cases, you can do about a 30%, you know, deficit um, from where you're at in calories. But, but it's for a short amount of time. Yeah. Right? And it's for like it for four, six weeks. We're not doing it for 12, 16, 20 weeks. We're not doing that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, and just for I, a quick I think math, like 30% of 2,000 calories, looking at 600 calorie deficit. And that's like on the high end that you would go for a short period of time. So, just puts right. into perspective if you're going to do like a 12 to 24 week cut, it would be like less aggressive than that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, if, genders have to come into play here too because if it's yeah. a woman that's you know coming to me at 2000 calories and they want to you know get pretty aggressive for a little bit and then but we, we're going to back off and do a diet break and things like that you know doing that 25 percent isn't necessarily that bad i mean that's going to mm-hmm. drop you down and he said what like 13 like 1400 calories something like that yeah um you know if you're going to do that for like four weeks and then back off and do a diet break I have no issue with that, but you know, if you're a, well, first of all, if you're a guy at 2000 calories, I don't care what your size is. You're not ready. You, you need to be reverse dieting. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you, you, you shouldn't be thinking about fat loss. You know, you need to build your calories up. There's, I mean, unless you're like a, you know, 12 year old boy who's eating 2000 calories, which honestly I was probably eating like three or 4,000 at that age too. But yeah, um, you know, it, it's, it's gender specific and it's starting you know, kind of where you're starting from calorically would depend on how aggressive I'd be willing to get. Yeah. And so, you know, going into like, when we talk about psychology of fat loss, there's obviously creating the initial deficit and going through the process. But then I think the main part that most people struggle with, at least that I've seen from, from all my members is like, cool, we got a deficit. We got the game plan. We got the nutrition we got the training. I've fallen off track. All right. Yeah. getting back on track and being mentally okay with the fact that it's not going to be a perfect process. Like how, how do you navigate that? <clears throat> that's one of the, that's one of the trickier parts. Um, you know, this is where I tell people like that are trying to get into coaching. I'm like, listen, you got to learn to be as, as good of a psych, actually a better psychologist than you are a number puncher. I mean, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, not to, we've come so far in research and stuff like, putting in numbers is you can teach that pretty easily. I'm not saying that there's no skill to that or, or, or anything like that, but I mean, 
you could figure that out. Now what you can't, what you got to figure out is how to put those numbers and how to associate with that particular client. Yeah. Because what I might do and what, what research might show works for one person, I might not be able to do with another one because of their psychology and where they're at and what yeah. we need to do to meet them where they're at yeah. to keep them going. So, you know, getting someone back on track, I think it greatly depends on what it was that caused them to get off track, right? Was it, was it an injury? Was it a vacation? Was it a holiday? You know, was it a, a breakup? Was it, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of issues, but what I always do, it always kind of circles back to let's just get refocused on today. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's all we need to do. You can't do nothing about yesterday. I mean, we've all heard it, right? You can't do anything about yesterday. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You just focus on today. Sorry, my dogs are barking. He's <laughs> um, <Get> excited. Jeez. <laughs> having four dogs is uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do is I want to refocus them in on today, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't control what happened yesterday anymore. You're done. It's, it's over with, but if you let two, three, four bad days go in a row, then it's going to turn into a pattern. It's going to turn into a habit. Yeah. So we're all going to have bad days. We're human understanding that perfection is not possible. doesn't mean that we shouldn't still strive for it. Yeah. But understanding that that's not going to be achievable. And if you don't achieve it, you're not a failure, you're human. So taking into account, you know, what was it particularly that made you fall off track and kind of seeing, okay, what were your thoughts behind that? What were the circumstances? What sort of things could we learn from it? And, And I like to talk to them about that as far as not just like, okay, we need to do this, but what can we learn from that situation? Right? Because more likely than not, that situation is going to come up again. Yeah. You know, it very rarely is this just one rare, one rare event, throw us off and we never see it again. Usually it's a holiday party. It's a, it's an anniversary. It's a birthday party. It's a vacation. It's stressful you know, day like that. Stressful day at yeah. work, losing your job, getting divorced. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. We're human. Um, we're complicated people. So examining the situation and not so much me telling them what they can learn. I want them to tell me about the situation and what they think they can learn from it yeah. because then it's really going to stick. Um, yeah. So, you know, I like to do that. I kind of like to, uh, you know, in the army, we had af- after action um, reviews and stuff, kind of the same situation, like, okay, the situation's done. The action is done. Let's go back. Let's review it and see what we can do better, how we might be able to prepare a little bit better the next time and just get their confidence up, um, get yeah. their confidence up by saying, okay, we're going to focus on today. That's it. I don't want, I don't want you to think about two days from now, a week from now, none of that matters. If we don't nail today, then you're going to stay in this pattern. So I like to kind of just bring it back to, um, you know, closing, closing your gap on, on mm-hmm. the world, like closing your view on the world and just focusing on what, what's the macros I need to hit today, right? Yep. What's, do I have cardio I need to do today? Is there weight training I need to do? Do I have a step goal that I need to get in? Just focus on today, win the day, win the yep. day, live to fight another day. And then as you start doing that one by one, so don't, not looking at it as like a whole week, right? Looking at it as seven individual days, seven day ones. And if you can break it down like that, you know, set little benchmarks for them to try to hit, get them to achieve it, build their confidence back up, it tends to help a little bit. But, 
you know, it, it is going to be very individually dependent and situation dependent as far as, you know, why they uh, fell off track. But I think all of it, whether it's training, whether it's nutrition, whether it's mental focus, whatever it is, it can all come back and be fixed if you just focus on today. Yeah, which I found interesting when I did my my cut with you last year mm -hmm. um, in Tulum. It was my first cut that I've done in probably oh man, like six, seven years to get to that level of leanness. Yeah. Um, and I think the last one I did was my bodybuilding show. It was like a really long time ago. And what I found interesting then was when I went off track, because I did multiple times, right? I had my moments where I'd slip up. My check-ins weren't perfect. It, I, I was in a place of like, cool, like, yeah, my weight is up. Or like, yeah, I'm a bit more fluffy, but like it's out of my own doing. And it right. never really like stressed me out, especially the last cut we did, right? Yeah. I was like, cool. I went off track. Like it's going to take me a bit longer to do the cut. So what? It's going to take me like two weeks extra. I'm fine with it. Not uh, having a time frame really takes a lot of pressure off of it. But you know, you said something as far as, um, oh crap. What was it? I just lost my train of thought. Um, the, the, oh, it'll come. yeah, the last cut of like how I went off track and everything. I had oh my yeah. Okay. That, that, that brought it back. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So understanding your body a little bit more and understanding, you know, so part of the reason why so many people just, you know, they, they just escalate and just keep going off onto, you know, further and further off the track is because they have a bad day and, or waits up the next day and they're like, oh, screw it. No, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I want to do, but not understanding what that weight might mean, right? That, that weight might just be water weight from sodium. Maybe your sodium was a little bit higher. Yeah. I mean, we see that with you a lot when you eat out a lot, you know, you're because yeah. notoriously when you eat out, everything's higher in sodium. That's what oh, yeah. makes it taste good. <laughs> That's what makes you come back and want to eat it more, right? Yeah. Fat and sodium are the most palatable things out there. Everybody thinks carbs and sugar are, I'm telling you, most of the things that, that people overeat on, you know, that have a lot of carbs in it, they also have a lot of fat and a lot of sodium in it too. Yeah. So, so understanding, okay, why did the scale go up? Mm -hmm. you know, was it because of that Mexican food I had last night? Was it because I was a little bit, I didn't sleep as well. Did I, was I a little bit stressed? Was I, you know, did I work out really hard and cause a lot of inflammation? Cause yeah. that, that happens too. So trying to educate people and understanding what's going on with their body helps really, really lessen how many times people fall off track. Yeah. Or if they fall off track, they get right back on a lot quicker. Yeah. It takes time to get there. Cause like, I sure it's like, I've been working out for, for 17 years at this point, the past 10 years is only when I started doing like proper transformations, like doing yeah. whatever I want with my body. And then the last cut we did was the first time where I was like detached from the number on the scale. I, I would weigh myself in the morning. I was like, cool. I know I ate later. I know I went to bed later. I know I had more sodium. Like I know I did something every time the weight goes up. And then if ever it was up and I did everything perfectly, I'm like, so it's just, this is what it's supposed to be. That's a data I have for the day. And it's just what it is. Well, and I think this is, this is very common for people when they start a fat loss phase, but everybody thinks that as soon as you start it, it's going to just be this downward slope mm -hmm. in weight the entire time. It is 100% normal for it to be a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Okay. That, that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. You could be hitting your numbers hundred percent and you may have a week where you see great weight loss and you may have a week where you don't see very great weight loss. 
right? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean you're plateauing. That doesn't mean that you need to change the plan. You got to look at all the factors in your life because yes, calories in versus calories out is going to determine weight loss or, or weight gain, mm-hmm. but that's in this perfect bubble. Yeah. Right. We're, we don't live in a perfect bubble. We, we have work stressors, relationship, all this other stuff that we've been talking about that do affect your weight. And so I'm not really a big fan when people, or I shouldn't say I'm not a big fan when people say, you know, calories in versus calories out for weight loss or weight gain. Cause that is true. But I think more people need to, you know, preface that by saying, okay, but there are other factors that are going to determine it too. It doesn't mean it has to do with fat gain mm-hmm. at all or anything like that, but a little bit stressed, um, your cortisol's up, you're probably going to hold on to a little bit of water, you know, women during their cycle, most women gain about one to three, they they gain about one to 3% of their total body weight during their cycle week. That can be anywhere from, you know, two to five pounds possibly, you know? So understanding this stuff and understanding not to equate every sort of, you know, tick up on that scale, meaning fat loss. I, I think that that will help people during their fat loss phase, but also keep them from, you know, falling off track and just giving up and, and being frustrated. I'm telling you, if, if you're, if you stay, if you're within a normal body weight range, right? Like I'm not saying the, the 30 or 40 pound people, like yeah. 30 or 40 pounds overweight people. I'm talking about like, you know, you got 15 pounds or something you, you want to get off 15 to 20 pounds. If you just stay consistently between that half a percent and 1% total body weight loss per week, you're going to be good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, usually with people, if, if they kind of fall a little bit outside of that, maybe they're not losing quite in that range, then don't make a huge change in macros. I mean, maybe do just a one, one to 2% calorie change. That might be enough just to get you outside of that that zone enough to start that weight loss a little bit more, you know, yeah. people's nature reaction is always just, okay, well, let me flash another three, 300 calories. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's normal for your body to start adapting as you go through fat loss. Now there's a, there's a difference between that and then actually metabolically adapting when you've been dieting for too long, yeah. your body is going to get used to having fewer calories and it's going to slow down your BMR your body's not going to lose. And that's why you have to keep going down. But if you keep just slashing and slashing and slashing week after week, after week, like we talked about, you're going to get to week six and then where are you going to be? Yeah. hundred calories. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe you do lose for a while and that's great, yeah. but then you're going to get to the point where your, your hunger cues are all out of whack. You're going to start binging. You're going to put all that weight back on and more like, you know, one of the things that Lane, you know, years and years ago, one of the things that I remember him saying is that, you know, we don't have in America, we don't have a weight loss issue. We have a weight sustainability issue. Yeah. I remember that people can lose weight. Yeah. They they can lose weight. There's a lot of bad ways out there to do it, but they can lose it. But those bad ways to lose to instant, um, non-sustainable habits. And then most of the people within three years, it was like 95% of the people that lost a significant amount of body weight, which is considered about 10% of your total body weight or more. Yeah. Then within three years, 95% of those people had put it back on and more. Yeah. So we don't, people can lose the weight. It's, it's keeping it off. And that's why I really, really like to practice. Even if it takes longer, 
do it slower, learn the habits along the way so that you don't have to do this again. You don't have to lose that 40 or 50 pounds again. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about, you know, like making adjustments to your calories, a small percentage of, of decrease if the weight is stuck. One mm -hmm. thing that I always find hard and is the reason why, like, that's why I brought you on board, right? That's why I believe coaches should have coaches. It's such an emotional call to make and having yeah. someone else look at it. So for me, when I see the data on the scale, I'm like, cool, it is what it is. I did what I, I respected what I had to respect. I just right. leave it up to David. He checks, he sees everything. He makes a call on it. Because for me to go like, mm, I know how to do it, but for me to do it for myself and detach my emotions from my journey, it's hard and I don't like doing it, which is why like, it's so important to have someone else that is distant from it. It's like, hey, the data saying this, here's how you tend to react from the past. Here's a call we're going to make for this week. Here's the adjustment. Yeah. I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. Paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, especially if you're a certain type of person you're, you're going to just overanalyze it. And we have this as humans, we have this awesome and horrible trait that we can get ourselves to believe anything. Yeah. So if we see, and, and that's why I, going back to what I said just a few minutes ago about like, if the scale didn't move one week, don't freak out. Just like, that doesn't mean you've plateaued. That just means the scale didn't move that week, right? Give it a few more weeks. Sometimes the best move to make is no move at all. Yeah. But we can get into our heads and say, oh, well, I just lost a week. Now I got to double up and make a bigger deficit and catch up. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not the right way to think about it and stuff. So having that objective eye and someone that can look at it and remove your feelings, not to say that we don't take the client's feelings into account, yeah. but what, your feelings about, okay, well, you stressing about what move you're going to make next is worse than whatever happened that week. Anyways. Yeah. Right? Like, like, okay. Maybe expectations and how I think it should have happened is removed. Yeah. And then you're jacking up your cortisol. You're worrying, you're second guessing every little thing you eat before yeah. you know it. You're so neurotic about every little thing that why you're not even going to enjoy the process. Fat loss isn't the most fun thing I get it, but like, you're not going to enjoy the process of getting to where you want to get to because you're going to be so neurotic about everything along the way. Yeah. I've, been there. I've done that. I, I, <laughs> I, I have been very neurotic about my food, about my exercise, about things like that. And it, it really comes down to, you know, going through that and, and having someone point those things out to you mm -hmm. and you actually listening to, to realize that that's, it's not the route to go. Like coaches need coaches. And, and it's, if you're someone out there that's wanting to undergo a phase and you feel like maybe you're the type of person that I'm talking about here, that's no, it's no slight to you. Like I said, I was that way too. Like yeah. I was that type of person. Like you need somebody to be able to remove your emotions, remove your feelings from it and point you in the right direction. But then there's, there's a responsibility on the client's part to, to follow it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there, there's this whole thing of, it's a two-part thing, letting someone in to help you yeah. and then actually doing what they say. Yeah. Being okay. Yeah. The, accepting of the rules and like the process. That's the part that's actually usually the hardest. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, like I get it. I can't do this myself. And then you give them, you, you tell them what they need to do and you point them and you instruct them and, and explain to them. And they're like, Oh, I don't, 
that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Well, well, how's it been going for you so far? Yeah. Right. Like, why did you reach out to, to me or to you or to another coach? Because it wasn't working for you. Right. And most yeah. of the reason is because we want to stay in our comfort zone too much. So having someone point out in a respectful way, right. But point out your flaws, point out where you're being held back um, by your own doing. Yeah. And, you know, we've, yeah, I've done it to you. I've had people do it to me. Like that's how you grow. That's how you get coached. Coach isn't a, coaching isn't about cheerleading. It's, it's about, you know, pointing out what weaknesses you have and then fixing them to make mm-hmm. them a strength and then being a cheerleader when everything goes right. But it's not about not pointing that stuff out. And I think, I think a lot of people when they undergo any phase or whatever, they start with coaching um, for the first time, they're maybe taken back by that. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of coaches out there that will just tell you anything and slash your calories just to take a buck. But yeah, you know, it's easy that, to make someone lose weight if you're just starving them. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You said that earlier. And that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and it's easy to, you know, because you don't want to get into confrontation with your clients or anything like that. It's easy for, you know, a client to say, oh, I'm just really not comfortable with this. How about we do that? And then a coach is like, yeah, okay, we'll do that just to appease them when that might really be putting them in more of a detriment that happens all the time. And that's not how I, that's not how I coach. I, you know, I've got a, I've had a lot of tough sports coaches in my life. I was in the military, like I'm a straightforward, I'm going to tell you if something's wrong, but I'm also going to be your biggest encourager and biggest supporter when you're doing something right, you know, and, and things are going right because it takes both dichotomies in order to, to make someone, um, achieve the goal that they want to achieve. So, you know, going back to the psychology, you just got to be open to understanding that you need to go slow. You need to be cognizant of different things you might feel on the way. You need to not let your emotions get in the way and take the advice of people who are there to help you. Yeah. And that it, it won't be perfect along the way. You're not no. a robot. You're not living in a cave where there's no other stressors coming into your yeah. life. Things are going to show up. Um, and so like, those are all great points. And I want to point like a, a specific audience of people that are t- going into fat loss, the same rules are going to apply. But I just want to ask you because I feel like that's like 90% of the world. Yeah. The chronic under eaters for years, the people have been chronically under eating for years that want to take on a fat loss. Um, go back and listen to our reverse dieting podcast, <laughs> you know, like, so here's what I like to tell people because I get people all the time that'll inquire and, you know, they're taking in, I don't like to throw a number out there because it's different for everybody, but they're taking in very low calories and they have been for a long time. And they're like, I can't lose weight. I'm like, okay, so why do you think going lower? If you're already at this point is going to help now you already, you already aren't losing weight. You're on severely low calories. You feel like crap. You have no energy. Your performance in the gym sucks. What makes you think going digging deeper is going to be the answer. Right. And then I kind of just, you know, go into explaining to them how their metabolism works, why it's in this place right now, how chronically under eating for years and years has done this to them. And very upfront and honest about, you know, the fact that we need to go through a reverse diet and we need to get you, get your uh, metabolic fire burning hot again. 
um, and understanding that it's, it's not a fat loss phase, but you may have to give a little mm-hmm. in order to get healthy enough to undergo an actual fat loss phase. But, you know, if you're going to just keep digging yourself in a hole right now by under eating, I mean, you're think of, think of your body as like a sports car, right? You're like a Ferrari. If, if you don't have very much gas and oil in that thing, you're not going to go very far yeah. and you're not going to go very fast. Right. So starting to treat your body more like a Ferrari and give it the fuel that it needs, it will operate the way that it's supposed to operate and you'll be able to go wherever you want to go. Yeah. But you got to a- get, you got to get your inside, your internal health in order first, if you want any sort of external, external, um, transformation to follow yeah it's such an interesting thing like i'm sure you know like in society we tend to like we'll beat ourselves to the ground right mm-hmm. we'll just treat ourselves the worst we'll just push the limits that we can we'll, we'll cut out on sleep we'll sacrifice on quality of food on quantity of food yeah. but then we'll treat everyone else like a hundred times better. Some people treat their like, cause I just got a dog. I shared this with you. Yeah. All check in. Like yeah. some people treat their dogs better than they treat themselves. Yep. Right. Like they're going to spend more money on like the dog's food and on walks with the dog and treating him and or her than they do on themselves. And so I think like, that's a fundamental shift that needs to take place for people. It's like, no, like you want to be there for like your family, for your kids. Like you have to become a priority and you can't beat yourself into the ground because it's never going to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're perfect. You're absolutely right with that. It's, you know, I, I think people get so caught up in the hecticness of the world today and, you know, it's just easier to run through and grab a McDonald's or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'll say that, you know, you, you can't have McDonald's every now and then, but when you're doing that constantly and then you get home and people are so stressed out and tired, they don't want to go to the gym and work out. They, you know, it's, it, it is very easy in this day and age to let yourself go, but it just really comes back to, you know, what is the vision that you have for your life? What is the vision that you have for your health? Like where you want to get to, you're going to have to make sacrifices no matter what your goal is, whatever it is. But if you're not going to take care of your health, it's going to come back to bite you later on. Yeah. Right. Where they say, what's the, the phrase like pay for your health now, or you'll pay for it later. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do you, what kind of quality of life do you want to live? What do you want to be around till you're 70, 80, 90, right? And feeling good and feeling good and feeling active. And, you know, it's, it's just, everybody's going to have to make that choice for themselves. Um, but I think that there's a lot of, I, I think that there's just a lot of craziness that goes on in the world right now. And I think people are in this rat race and feel like they have to just keep going, going, going. Yeah. And they don't ever allow themselves to take a break. Listen, I, I'm guilty of that. Like, I, I don't do well when I don't have something to do. Like, I, I would love to be able to go take a nap during the day. That doesn't happen very often for me, even if I do have time, you know? So I think we're programmed as a society to just keep pushing, pushing, pushing at the sake of our own health for the betterment of community and society and things like that. In reality, I mean, when you're on an airplane, right? What, what do they say 
at the very beginning. If the mask falls, you put it on yourself first before you put it mm -hmm. on your child. If you want to do any good for yourself, for your or for your family, for your job, for your community, you got to be the best version of yourself first. So be a little selfish, mm -hmm. be a little bit more selfish, you know, and, and stop being so lazy. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because I've been working over the past two months on deconditioning that of like, I always need to be doing something and just realizing that like, when I get a full night of sleep, I'm that much more efficient when I'm, when I'm performing. Right. And if like last night, the dog was kind of waking me up and I didn't have a good night of sleep, like after this podcast, I'm going to have a little nap. Right. Cause I, then I can perform better for the second half of the day. And Absolutely. so realizing that those little investments in yourself, like you're just so much more efficient when you're rested and when you feel yeah. good versus when you're tired. And listen, there's gonna be a lot of things during your day that you're not going to be able to control. Um, mm -hmm. So control what you can control. Yeah. Like you can, you can choose not to drink that full sugar pop, right? You can have a, a bottle of water. You can choose if you need to go to McDonald's or a fast food place, you don't have to get the quarter pounder or the Big Mac or anything like that. You can get a grilled chicken sandwich. Like you, there, you can make smarter choices, but it also, you know, you have to, you have to educate yourself a little bit. You have to take a little bit of time to hopefully listen to podcasts like this or to do some research on your own and understand what are healthy choices? What are the best options for you at that time? You know, and just take it, take it one day at a time. Like we talked about before, don't try to make all these real big changes right away. Take, take it one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, man, um, I, I just have to put a disclaimer for the people listening. Um, so I guys probably heard David's not vegan but <laughs> extremely knowledgeable. So I, was like, I, I better point it out because it's called Fivigan Podcast, but I better point out, but like, you know, David, like I love working with him because he's super knowledgeable and you're honestly super respectful. When you heard that I was vegan, like, cool, dude, doesn't change anything. Yeah. I'll still take care yeah, of I've it. Had, I've had vegan dishes before. I think they're pretty good. I, yeah. <laughs> not what I do on a hundred percent basis, but <laughs> yeah. No, so um, I, I just to point out for the people listening, I just like caught that. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't even think. I didn't even think about that. that, that that's okay. Big Macs and yeah, that's all right, man. Like that, the information is super valuable, and like it doesn't change anything, right? It's just you're, you're super yeah, knowledgeable. It's the same concept. Yeah, Absolutely. and so man, let, let's dive into the psychology of reverse dieting because I feel like a lot of the society is very used to fat loss, and what we share will be super useful, but not a lot of people are familiar with reverse dieting like we talked a little bit about psychology uh, of reverse yeah. dieting in the podcast but it was more like tactical stuff and so right. how can we set people up for success going into a reverse diet well um you know i think it first starts by educating them about what the reverse diet is what the intention is what the need for it is and, and why it's going to help you mm -hmm. right and, and why it's going to help you from a health standpoint, not from a, a right now weight loss standpoint, mm -hmm. like kind of going back to what I talked about before, getting your internal health in order so that your external transformation can follow. So, you know, really, really starting with that, laying the foundation of what a reverse diet is. Cause most of the time when people hear that, it's the, that phrase, it's the first time in their life they've ever heard that. Yeah. You know, so explaining to them and, and explaining to them that this is not a weight loss phase. This mm -hmm. is, this is a phase because most people that need to go through it, 
and I'd say about you know half a good number of people that need to go through it are ones that have been chronically under eating, right? Yep. So understanding that you know this is not where you're going to expect the fat loss. This is the phase to get you to the point where you can then go into a successful fat loss phase. So just laying realistic expectations and educating them about the process, educating them how this is going to help their metabolism, how this is going to help their relationship with food, how this is going to improve their, their life. They're not going to be hermits anymore. They're not going to have to hoard, you know, hoard calories and all this stuff. And, and just really explain to them step-by-step all the different aspects that the reverse diet is going to help. Cause it's not just about getting your metabolism up there. That's the main, that's the main reason yeah. there's so many ancillary issues and stuff that it can help. You know, a lot of people that have been severely restricting calories for a long time have a very negative relationship with food. Yeah. So this teaches them food isn't bad. All right. Do it the right way. Do it very progressively. Uh, or I mean, sorry, do it conservatively, but keep progressing on it like that. And, and you'll learn to trust your body. And you'll learn that your body operates really well when it's fed properly. Yeah. So much better. So much better. (laughs) Um, And so that's really, really where I would start with people with that is just the education. Yeah. And so um, I feel like most, the biggest fear that people have going through that process, as much as like they have an understanding of what it's like, they know that it's on a fat loss phase, right? We can always expect... I feel like there's always a three scenario. Like some people lose weight during reverse dieting. Most people kind of maintain some, but on like a pound or two, right? Like I'm up like a pound, I think so far in the process. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's going to depend on how long you need to reverse diet for and where you're starting at. But what I tell people is a very conservative approach is about 0.25% total body weight increase per week. Or if you look at it over a month period, a 1% total body weight increase per month. Because yeah. that does not mean it's 1% of body fat or anything yeah. like that. It's, it's going to be the majority of water. for Yeah, the- water, glycogen. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, but I mean, you know, for you, we're, what, six weeks in? Yeah, I think this is the seventh week this week. Yeah, but we're already up over 400 calories a yeah. day. You know, so you got to look at the ratio between your weight gain and how many calories you've bumped up, um, you know, as far as, you know, I've had people, I mean, I've had people gain 12, 15 pounds on a reverse, but they've also needed to reverse for a long time to do yeah. that. Right? I've had people lose weight on a reverse, very few. And I, yeah. I'm very quick to point that out to people. Very rare, not, yeah. That is not something you should expect. Now you will see intermittent weeks where you'll see some weight loss yeah. and weight gain. And that's it very lost last week. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and that's very normal. And that's kind of what helps keep your weight stable as yeah. you, you go throughout. So, you know, if you look, if you're kind of falling within that 0.25% total body weight increase per week, you can look to do about a one to 3% total calorie increase the next week. But yeah. you know what, if you're gaining a little bit quicker, that's okay. Just yeah. hold steady. You may be there at the same calorie range for two or three, maybe even four weeks until your body indicates, okay, that rate of weight gain has kind of leveled off. I'm ready for another bump up. And then, so that's why it takes a long time. So getting yourself mentally prepared for the long haul, this is yeah. not a two or three month thing. Yeah. You know, you, you could get away sometimes with a three month fat loss phase. You, you can't do that with a reverse diet. You're not, you're not going to maximize the benefits 
of it. Most of the time when you do that, do it that quickly, you're going to find yourself in the same hole that you're just trying to dig out of, you know, maybe four or six weeks down the road, you find yourself in that same hole that started the whole process of needing the reverse diet to begin with. Yeah. So you got to give it time because it's not just about getting to a certain calorie range for your body's needs. It's also about just giving your body enough time, not being in a deficit. Mm -hmm. Like the body, you should be spending more time outside of a deficit than you do in a deficit. That's, that's, which that's doesn't happen for out. most people. Do what? Which doesn't happen for most people. Live no, majority, majority of their life are in a deficit. They are. And it goes back to society and pressures and misinformation yeah. out there. I mean, listen, it's not very, I'll admit it's not very fun and sexy to listen to, you know, someone like me or you, or some of these other people that talk about the science and talk about slow, consistent, sustainable, that, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't sell. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's selling more now because people are getting educated, but Still, when it comes down to it, people want things now. So if it's the difference between listening to that or someone that says, hey, I can get you your weight loss goal in eight weeks, yeah. they're going to go do that. They're not going to care what it's going to take to get there. They just want to get there without thinking about the long-term effects. And this is where, you know, kind of what you said earlier, I think at the beginning of the podcast, when you go into a fat loss phase, you know, if you don't already have that plan of how you're going to come out of it, then you're, you're just kind of spinning your wheels. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to find yourself stuck. You're going to find yourself frustrated. You're not going to have a successful transition out, or you're going to get to the point where you're dieting so long that your body forces you out of it by binge eating, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, the body, the body is, is going to win. <laughs> like ultimately it always does. The, the main yeah. objective, the body only knows one thing, keeping you alive. Yeah. It does not care if it wants, if you want to lose body fat and get ripped, it doesn't care if you want to put on a bunch of muscle, it wants to make sure your heart's beating, your lungs are pumping. Yeah. Like that's, that's the main job of the body. And so at some point when it feels like that's threatened, it's going to throw every tool it has at you in order for you to get to where it wants to get to. And most of the time that's, you know, binge eating, um, you know, uncontrollable eating so that you can start putting on some body fat again. Yeah. Like just deep-rooted um, hunger that you just can't. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get sick. You're going to break down, you know, um, body's going to break down. You're going to be unable to train. You know, if you're overtraining, um, just beating yourself into the ground, your yeah. body's going to, your body's going to say, no, 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 <laughs> this, yeah. uh, you know, this ligament here, it's gone. It's done. I'm snapping it and you know, whatever it might be, it's going to force you to slow down if you don't take proactive steps along the way to keep it happy. Yeah. I, and I want to share this thought with you because I thought about this before, like fat loss is, is such a, a new world, like a new, like this day and age solution to a new world problem. Because back in the day, people yeah. didn't really struggle with being overweight. And so like, when you really think about fat loss, you're going to go against so many biological, like processes that your body just does not want to go through. That's why it's fighting you so hard when you go in a yeah. deficit. And it's just a solution to like a new world problem because people weren't overweight before. And it's yeah. so like, it's, it's unnatural to try to lose weight because it is unnatural to weigh this much, right? Like it's a new yeah, problem. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, you know, listen, people, people want to blame, you know, fast food restaurants when they started popping up in the fifties and, you know, end of the fifties, early sixties or whatever that was, you know, that era. Yeah. On. 
it wasn't so much that as it was, I think, when the commercials started in yeah. the 80s. Because you look back in the 50s and 60s, people still weren't overweight. Yeah. It was it, because it was, it was not, it, I think it was considered more of like a treat yeah. than anything. It wasn't a lifestyle. People yeah. still sat down and had dinner at the dinner table with their families. Yeah. People were still working manual labor jobs, men and women in the factories, you know, and all this stuff. Um, kids were out playing sports. They're not sitting in front of the TV playing video games anymore or yeah. back, you know what I mean? So as that, along with the, in my opinion, the, the rise of single parenthood mm-hmm. over the decades that forced parents to, that don't have a lot of time that are working a lot to support their kids. Let's go through fast food. Let's do this and that, you know, and yeah. then just kids will be left in front of the TV as their babysitter. This is, this has been going on for, for years. So I don't necessarily blame like the fast food yeah. industry. I blame kind of all the other factors around it that made fast food a more easy um, alternative to actually, you know, going home, cooking a, a home cooked meal for your family and, and all this stuff along with also, like we talked about earlier, people are living more hectic lives. So a lot yeah. of people are working multiple jobs because prices are increasing or, you know, they've got their kids in four sports a season and yeah. they're never home. You know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think back in the forties, know, fifties, before this really became a problem, um, you're right. There wasn't a huge obesity problem. Um, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't someone, something that people thought of. It wasn't something that people, um, were forced into. Yeah. Yeah, They weren't worried about it because it was like, listen, you were, you were active, you were, you know, cooking your home cooked meals, like I said before, and, and it's really become a a bigger issue and the body, you know, listen, the body evolves over time Mm -hmm. and the body has evolved to pack on weight because of this so you're right. It's, it's it, to me, it's not natural to have to take off the amount of weight that most people are trying to take off. Yeah. Um, but it's also not natural to be a healthy weight and to try to force your body to be at a very, very severely lean state either. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's both ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, definitely. So there became like know, a, an obsessiveness with like the physique, because I think of like, magazines and the kind of fitness industry and the fashion industry so that's like one they're like both extremes basically absolutely absolutely and listen i mean i be 38 in a few months like i i grew up with bodybuilding magazines yeah i i got them off the shelf i i you know there was no internet like i i can i mean there was internet i'm not saying that but like i can remember when i got my first aol screen you know aol messenger like I was in college when they started Facebook. Like So that sort of stuff, putting that stuff, sort of stuff in perspective, you know, I don't think that there was, I'm not going to say that there wasn't, but there definitely wasn't the prevailing, prevailing, prevail. I can't say that word. Uh, Prevalence. I'm sorry. Prevalence. You're asking a French guy. I was like, (laughs) there wasn't a prevalence of, the severity of these body image issues back in yeah. the, you know, I think what, what's really done it and, and listen, I make a living off of, you know, advertising on social media and using it for my business. But I think that's been a very, very big 
to uh, detriment to a lot of people in their expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that, you know, look ripped all year round when probably they, they aren't, they probably just take hundreds or thousands of pictures when they are ripped and then just use them, but it, it creates this false impression mm-hmm. and it just makes people have these unrealistic, unhealthy expectations. And yeah. then you just, it's a slippery slope from there. Yeah. You know, oh gosh, this person's eating this, this person's working out like this, this person's doing this. I need to be doing that. Well, first of all, have you been training as long as this person? Do you have the same lifestyle as this person? Are you on gear like this person is? Yeah. And there's just not a whole lot of honesty on social media anymore. Um, I, I just feel for people that, I just feel for people that get themselves caught up in that slippery slope of comparison. Um, yeah. I get it. It's no, no slight to them or anything. It's, it's a, it's an easy trap to fall into. And, yeah. you know, that's why more of these podcasts need to get out there and people, they need to be heard by people because there's a lot of people out there suffering that don't need to be. Yeah. You know, like the, you know, you've been, you've been lean before, you've been in shape, like, you know, that having a six pack, is just doesn't change anything. You don't feel that great. Honestly, like the reason like this cut, we didn't get as lean as Tulum. Cause I felt like shit when I was in Tulum, like my energy was, was down. Like I didn't feel great. And I told you this cut this year, I was just for fun, just to like document it. Cause I, I honestly, like I, I we're reverse dieting. I'm up like a pound. I like yeah. feeling bigger and having more body fat. Cause you sleep well, you you're stronger. Sex drive is awesome. Like you're just feeling good. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think there needs to be a greater promotion of like that, like that is the norm. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. yeah. Performing well, you yeah. know, in all aspects, <laughs> just yeah. like you said, like that, that needs to be, that needs to be made as sexy as having a six pack. Yeah. You know, but- it, there's nothing wrong with if if you want to try to get a six pack that, that doesn't, but you got to examine the, you got to examine the route that you're taking to get there and the lifestyle that it's creating for you. Yeah. If it's, if it's something that once again, you can't sustain or that's not enhancing your life, why are you doing it? I mean, listen, nobody except for you cares about your six pack. Yeah. True. I mean, if you're not competing, you know, nobody cares nobody cares. I haven't had a six pack in a long time, but I'm still very lean and I'm just not that lean. Yeah. And I don't care. Nobody else cares. Nobody like we get in this habit as people that we we tend to think others think of us more than they actually do. Right. So people will get worried about going to the gym because they don't want to look like an idiot. Nobody cares about you at the gym. Think about yourself when you walked into the gym. Are you sitting there concentrating on one person for 45 minutes? Yeah. No, Everyone's you're looking not. at themselves in the mirror. That's what exactly. they're doing. And you know what? Worst case scenario, maybe someone does look at you and it's kind of like, well, what are they doing? You know what? 10 seconds later, they don't care anymore. They're never going to yeah. remember you. So we got to stop giving so much credence to what people think of us. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to you know, how lean we are and, and equating our self-worth to how lean we are. None of that matters. None of that matters. Honestly, you talk to any real competitor out there, 
they, and this is, this is a conversation I think more, more competitors need to be having is that, listen, they can't wait to get out of that state. Yeah. They can't wait to start eating more, to start performing better again. They're okay with not looking so shredded on stage. And I'm talking about the real competitors, the ones that are actually in it for improvement, not the ones that are just in it to take tons of pictures and, you know, try to get endorsement deals or anything like that. The actual competitors, what most people are trying to strive to look like, those are the types of people that will be the first to tell you they feel like shit on show day. Mm-hmm. They, they don't actually enjoy show day as much. They enjoy the process and everything like that. They also want to get the hell out of that feeling and get back to training good, sleeping well, being able to go to functions and stuff. Like there, yeah. there's just a very big disconnect between what people see on the internet and what the reality is. Yeah. I, I think I shared this in the last podcast we did, but you know, like Jim Carrey said, like, I wish everyone could be rich and famous to realize that it's, you know, there's nothing to it. And I wish everyone yeah. could have a six pack to just realize that there's nothing to it. And I think, you know, and this may be a bit like on a personal side, but a lot of like, for me, I started transforming because I was skinny and I was bullied. So mm-hmm. I wanted to like get big and muscular. So I wouldn't have that, those insecurities. Right. right. So a lot of like, I think most men started from a place of like girls or insecurity. It's kind of like the, yeah, the two big absolutely. motivators when you first get started. And the thing is you achieve that physique and then you ne- you're never big enough. You're never lean enough. And then eventually people have to realize that it's not like a, a how much muscle you have. It's not how lean you are. There's like deep rooted insecurities that you need to deal yeah. with that won't be fixed with you having a different type of body or having a six pack or, you know, having more or bigger biceps. I mean, it's the same concept of, you know, you move to a new city thinking you're going to outrun your problems and you still got your same problems there. Yeah. You know, they're with you wherever it's, you go. It, it, we have a, and I mean, obviously we see this in many aspects of society. We have a very, very bad mental health mm-hmm. issue in society. And people always think about it in terms of, you know, mass shootings and killings and drug abuse and all this stuff. But man, look at it from a confidence standpoint, look at it from a, a you know, self-perspective standpoint, a, you know, self-esteem mm-hmm. perspective that's all mental health right there. That's all issues with that. That's a bigger thing plaguing America than almost anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? And maybe the world actually. Um, So, you know, I, I wish I could get off of social media. I really do. Yeah. Not not that I feel like it affects me like we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but I feel like all the hard work, that I try to put out there that you try to put out there that a lot of people that I respect try to put out there. I feel like it gets flushed because of all this other garbage. And I feel like social media has, I I, I hesitate to say become a, like one of the biggest detriments to society, but I think it has contributed to more pain than it has good. I would say greatly. I would say that I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, um, I don't know if I, I did like, uh, just, I shut off my phone for three days once and it was the best three days. I felt more yeah. connected than ever to every aspect of my life. Probably and connected to the most important thing, which is yourself. Yeah. 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 Cause it, I would, the first, like the first few hours when I closed my phone, you're just like, 
you have a moment of boredom and you're kind of like looking, you're kind yeah. of, your hands are looking for your phone. You're like, what is it? but yeah, my hands are moving on their own. Like what's happening? What are you looking for here? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is weird. Here, it's moving around. Uh, yeah. So now I agree with you. And I think like that, that is like why I wanted to record this podcast with you. That is why I like recording with you. Cause you're like really straightforward. You say the truth. Like, Hey, if you need to remember it comes to you is like, Hey, you need to reverse diet. You need to reverse diet. Like you're eating yeah. 1100 calories. We can't go into a cut right now. Like we need to do the right thing. And so that's why and I appreciate Just to it. add to that real quick. I'm okay. If someone doesn't want to sign with me because yeah. they don't want to do that, I'm not going to sacrifice and be a part of your detriment and you're, you're digging yourself into more of a hole. Yeah. You know, I'm Amen. here to help you. Your, your goals, and that's what I tell everybody when I start with them, your goals are your goals, right? They're not my goals. I'm never going to tell you, you need to look a certain way. You need to be a certain weight. You need to do that. I'm going to tell you if your goal is achievable and if it's safe. Yeah. And if it is, we will work to get you there. But I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. But if you're not going to listen to me genuinely trying to help you get healthy, then not a good fit. Go. You know, I mean, I, I hate to see you go and I hate to see that, but you know what? I'm not going to be a part of someone's unhealthy journey. Yeah. Well, I'm on the same boat as you. We turn a lot of people around that are like eating a thousand calories a day and like, I want to lose 30 pounds. I'm like, where? Like, how? <laughs> what? Who have no wiggle room with what? Yeah. Like, we need to reverse for like at least six months. And they're like, no, nah, I want to lose weight now. I'm like, we just, like, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. I won't sleep well at night if I do this. And right. so I like, we can't do it. And that's why I love working with you. It's just really straightforward. It's just going to be, those types of things are just going to turn into more headaches down the road than you can even, even dream of because every week, those are going to be the clients that are going to be emailing you two, three times a week. Like I've got this issue. I've got this issue. I'm not losing weight. I'm freaking out. Like, bro, I told you at the beginning, this wasn't going to work. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Good, Matt. So I, I just like, that was a great tangent on psychology of like, yeah, that was a, that was um, I want to go back to one last part for reverse dieting before I move to like the next one. Um, big fear of people is um, that they're going to put all the weight back on as they go through reverse dieting, because from a, a client's aspect, it's like, Hey, I'm going to eat more food, but maintain or like be really close to what I am now. And there's like a big disconnect there. Yeah. I mean, listen, some people are going to need to put all the weight back on. I mean, let's talk you know, if you're coming off of a, a competition, right? Yeah. Like most, maybe you do need to put 20, 25 pounds back on, you know, to, to be healthy. I mean, if you're someone who's gone through a fat loss phase though, for lifestyle and, and yeah, things like, like a that. person that's not competing that lost like 40 pounds that was kind of over yeah. with before. Well, and this is what I would tell them is that part of the reason why we go slow is because we're not going to just arbitrarily add calories every week because we're trying to control that rate of weight gain, right? Mm -hmm. It's also why we need a longer time frame, and we need to not just look at this in terms of, you know, am I going to gain all this weight back? I want you to start looking at this in terms of focusing on increasing your performance in the gym, learning new habits that are not going to make you get up. Because yeah. if you're 40 pounds overweight, right, that's, that's a lifestyle issue. Yeah. yeah. So we go slow so that we can learn new lifestyle habits so that we do not get you up there. Part of the reason why you got up 40 pounds because you're eating everything in sight yeah. all the time. We have, 
you will get up that heavy again if you don't go in a very slow controlled manner and listen to your body and the cues and the data and really go off of kind of what I was talking about earlier and what we talked about during the other podcast as far as following these guidelines and these steps. Yeah. When you try to rush the process, bad things are going to happen, right? Yeah. But if you take your time and you start approaching this mentally from a, a standpoint of, okay, I'm going to learn new lifestyle habits along the way, you're not going to get up 40 pounds yeah. heavier. Now, are you, let's just, for example, say maybe you lost the 40 pounds, right? And in order to reverse you up to a more sustainable maintenance calorie level, maybe you need to put on 10 pounds. I think that's a pretty fair trade, Yeah. right? You're, you're still 30 pounds down at a more reasonable level. Now you stay there for a little while and then maybe six or eight months down the road, you go into another fat loss phase you take more weight off, you reverse up, and now you're 50 pounds down from where you originally started. You know, so yeah. when you have a drastic amount of weight to lose, it's going to take multiple approaches possibly to get it all off. And that also includes multiple reverse dieting approaches till you finally get to the weight where you're comfortable and can maintain that at a certain calorie level. So it's just, it's mentally preparing yourself to ditch the old lifestyle yeah. And you accept the new habits and the new lifestyle that you're trying to create. Yeah. So you talked about maintenance. So you talk about going to out of the deficit, finding that maintenance, and then being uh, down the road, right? Trading a, a 40 pound fat loss, 10 pound gain on a reverse. And then you talk about maintenance for six to eight months. What is a good maintenance phase? And I think that's a perfect segue into the psychology yeah. of like maintenance. Like yeah. what is a good maintenance phase and how can, how can people be mentally prepared for that? Yeah. So a lot of that, you know, and I, I know I've said this a lot, but it's true. It's going to be very individual and it's going to be goal dependent. Now, somebody that has a history of yo-yo dieting mm -hmm. or restricting for long periods of time, I would say that if you can try to stay at a maintenance level for probably eight to 12 months, I think that that's a very healthy thing to do because not only is that going to avoid you going back into a deficit again, real quick, you're going to be able to lay that foundation for that new lifestyle. Yeah. And I know I keep harping on lifestyle, 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 but that is really what drives every decision that we make. Right. You know, the old adage genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. If you, your gun is always loaded. Yeah. <laughs> If you, if you are one that suffers from binge eating or someone from severely restricting or, you know, whatever it is, your gun is always loaded. It's yeah. your lifestyle that's going to determine if that trigger's pulled or not. And so we need enough time in order to make sure that you don't, you don't jump that trigger. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think someone that has had years of yo-yo dieting and stuff, I mean, I would, I would like to probably see a full year of maintenance. Um, now maintenance doesn't mean that your weight doesn't change. It, yeah. it, it, it may fluctuate a little bit here and there, but you're generally within the five pound, a five pound range of where, yeah. you know what I mean? So I don't, you know, people hear maintenance and then they go up two tenths of a pound, they freak out and then start. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. You're, you are going to see some ebbs and flows. All right. Yeah. But you give yourself a general range and because maintenance calories aren't, aren't stagnant. They are a fluid thing. They, they could yeah. be as much as 10 or 15% in either direction depending on a lot of the factors that we talked about earlier, lifestyle, energy output, sleep, 
things like that. So yeah. I would say probably about a year for someone who's, who has a history of yo-yo dieting. Now, if someone's doesn't have that history, um, if they just came off a of fat loss phase and they reverse dieted up and maybe, maybe they do have some more weight they want to lose. Mm. I would say probably somewhere between three and six months. Yeah. Um, if they're mentally in a place where they can handle that and then they can handle going into another fat loss phase and you have a plan to come back out of it into another reverse dieting phase. Um, yeah, I would say probably three to six months for most people. Okay. And so like a part of the fluctuation also, like you're still strength training. So you're still like building some muscle as you're going through maintenance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And And it's like the more muscle you have, the, the more calories you're going to need to take in to maintain that muscle. Yeah. Right. And, And, the heavier you're going to be, you know, even if, even if you have lost some body fat, but you put on some muscle, the scale is going to change. It's, yeah, it's yeah. going to change. So, yeah, it's, it's always like an interesting thing to know on the scale. I'll tell some of my members, like if I could snap my, ba- my fingers, give you yeah. the exact body that you want, but you're 10 pounds heavier than the number that's in your head, would you be happy with it? Right. And a lot of the answer is no, because there's such an attachment to that number, even though you have the exact body that you want. Yeah. I, I I've had actually just came off of a fat loss phase with a long-term client. She was getting ready for, um, her husband's like 50th birthday or something like that. And yeah, you know, she's already a very lean individual to begin with. And, you know, we, I won't get into her numbers because I don't want to trigger anybody, yeah. but we were still a good five, maybe six pounds away from what the goal weight was. Yeah. And she's the one that said, Nope, I'm good. Let's stop. Cause yep. she looked better at that weight than she thought she was going to. Yeah. And she's like, it's not worth it to keep, keep digging down deeper in calories. She was still performing good in the gym. She felt good. She was at a sustainable for, for a while. She was at a sustainable mm-hmm. calorie range. We, we did end up reverse dying her up a little bit more after, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it's, and also the more times you go through this, this fat loss and then a proper reverse and do that. And you start changing your body composition, you're, you're, that weight is not going to be the same. Like you said that, that for, you know, let's just say for a woman that 120 mm-hmm. isn't the same 120 after you've gone through a couple of reverse dieting periods. Cause you've got more muscle. So maybe that 120 that you look good at, maybe now you look good at 125. Yeah. Right. And that's, those are all just hypothetical numbers. I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but you, the, the, the scale weight, I think people have become so attached to that because it's the easiest thing to track. Yeah. People, most people out there don't know how to properly take body measurements. They don't know how to do calipers on their body for body fat measurement. Um, you know, anybody, you know, most people have issues with their midsection, right? So Mm -hmm. if body fat starts drawn off from somewhere else, then, you know, if they still see that their midsection isn't where they want to, well, then they, they start freaking out and they're like, Oh, the scale needs to go down lower and lower and lower. And which it does. I'm not saying it doesn't in order to lose more body fat, but they just, there's so many other metrics to go off of to gauge progress um you know thigh you know thigh diameter you know body like i said calipers body fat things like that how are your clothes fitting are your clothes fitting the way that you want them to fit now yeah like we we 
we have a big disconnect, like you said, between what number, what the number says on the scale and what the reality actually is. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I haven't weighed myself in probably about a year and a half, but I can tell you I'm generally around the weight that I think I'm at. Like, I just, I just know I am, you know, nothing has really changed, you know, clothes still fit the same things like that. And it's fine. So when you learn how to disconnect from what the scale says, kind of goes back to the, I think I said it earlier, as far as your, your worth, your self-worth is not determinant on what that scale number says. Yeah. You know, like nobody, you're not going to go into a job interview and someone's going to be like, well, how much do you weigh? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, cause we're, we're choosing between two people here. And, and if you weigh less then you got it, you got <laughs> yeah, the job, you got the job. Nobody. It, and also goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Nobody gives a shit about you as much as you think they give a shit about you. Yeah. Cause you can tell your number to your friends and it'll mean completely nothing to them because yeah, that, there's different later, they'll forget. It, it just does not matter. I mean, you know, the only, the only time I'll tell anybody a, a weight number matters is if like you're participating in a sport that has a weight class. Yeah. Like boxing or like UFC or something like that or powerlifting or yeah. you know, something like that. It's the only thing that matters. That's, and, and it doesn't, it only matters because of total, it doesn't matter because of like physique or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough conundrum. I mean, I think it just goes back to it being the easiest form for people to track their measurements. And, you know, we're creatures of habit and yeah. we get locked in on one thing and, you know, we want that instant result. And, you know, it's easier to see the scale go down quicker than it is sometimes other measurements. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but that doesn't mean that you're not still making progress. If those other measurements are going down slower, it's, it, it just means that your body's pulling from different areas. You know, yeah. it, maybe you're genetically predispositioned to have a leaner lower body, but a little bit thicker upper body or vice versa. Or, you know, for me and, and, and most men are this way. I mean, I would roughly say I'm probably around 12, maybe 13% body fat right now. Just yeah, not trying. I don't give a shit to be honest right now. Like, you know, but all of it is really just around my lower back and my, my sides. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you look at my arms and the rest of my body, you'd probably say I'm 8% just because yeah. I'm very nat- naturally lean in those areas. Yeah. Whereas somebody else, I mean, you know, you could see people that have very evenly distributed body fat and they yeah. look, they look like they don't have much body fat because it's, it's so evenly distributed. Right. So yeah. like you'll see, you'll see guys with six packs that are, you know, 15, 16% body fat. Well, yeah. it's because it's more evenly spread throughout their body. Yeah. And then you'll see some guys that are 10 or 11% that don't look like they have any muscle definition on them whatsoever. And, and so how people carry their body fat, the number on the scale, all those things, there's, what is it now? Almost 8 billion people on this planet or 7 billion people on this planet. No two people carry it exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. You can, and, and the other thing, I don't mean we can move on after this, but you, you take two people, uh, one of them weighing 150, the other one weighing 150. It's the same weight, right? But one person is jacked and ripped. The other one is soft and fluffy. Yeah. So, so are you still going to go on weight? Yeah. Same weight. They're yeah. the same height. They're the same weight. 
this person has 8% body fat. This person has 20% body fat. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, shit. that genetic predisposition of like where people store fat is also the other reason, the only other reason why you can't spot reduce, right? Yep. Obviously it's a question you get often. It's, it's so yeah. common, but you can't, it's genetic. Your body's going to lose fat wherever it wants to first. And you just have yeah. to keep decreasing it as an overall. For, I, for me, for example, I, if I start dieting or I'm starting to lose weight, my face first place, it goes, yeah. I get skeleton face before the rest of it starts, but, but you just have to keep dieting. And that's why it's really important that you reverse diet and you start from a healthy metabolic position especially if you do have a lot of dieting that you're trying to do so that you you're starting from a healthy point. You're not starting with your, with your tank half full. You're starting with it completely full. Yeah. You're going to get farther that way. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you, if you're someone who's already naturally lean, but you're trying to get even leaner and you start dieting and start pulling from your face and you look skeleton face and stuff, you got to put up with that because you just got to keep dieting more and more and more to get the rest of the body fat off of you. And that's a, it's a hard concept for a lot of people to grasp. Yeah. Well, I'm on that boat. Cause when I cut my arms get skinny, the first thing is my arm yeah. gets skinny, my face gets skinny and then it's my legs and then it's my stomach. Stomach is the last area. Yeah. But like I just get twig arms and skinny faces <laughs> within the first month and a half. Well, part of the reason why it, it, that's usually the area that is comes off last is because if you think about it, that's where all your major internal organs are. Yeah. So it, it, the fat is trying to protect that. Yeah. So people that are listening to this, if you're frustrated about, you know, your midsection being the last to, to come up, there's a, there's a, there's a natural reason why that is, yeah. <laughs> unless you're one of these genetic freaks that just has very evenly distributed body fat all, and you just lose it all evenly yeah. as you go, which, you know, right. if you do, those are usually the ones that are at the top of physique sports. Yeah. Because it's, yes, they work hard. I know many of them and I'm very good friends with many of them. They work their asses off. They, they do everything they need to do, but they will be the first to tell you also, they have great genetics. Yeah. Like you said, like the, the fat being stored around the midsection is to protect you mm -hmm. goes back to the fact that trying to get that lean is unnatural for yeah. most people. Right. Um, so I mean, you, you get that lean in the past. I mean, it, People thought you were about to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't a thing that people were thriving, thriving for before. No. I mean, even if you look at even like, perfect example, look at bodybuilding in the seventies. Look at Arnold. Yeah. He wasn't that Arnold. shredded compared to people now. Oh, he wasn't. Now yeah. still liked his physique and it, it was a great, you know, that golden era of bodybuilding was awesome. Yeah. But you look at the guys now, they, yeah. I'm sorry, but Arnold and those guys, they would not have placed against these guys now. Yeah, no. That doesn't take away anything about Frank Zane and Arnold and Sergio and all those guys in the past. Yeah. It's a, just a whole different perspective. And listen, I mean, let's be honest, performance dancing drugs have, have gotten a lot better. They've mm -hmm. also gotten a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Um, but we also know more about dieting and how to diet safely. But people have also abused it. So yeah. there, there's always this give and take along the way. yeah they've gotten better at achieving a higher level of condition in the body obviously like there's been more research as to like how to train to be able to yeah. accomplish that but yeah it's definitely gotten into to some bigger extremes um 
And so let, let's dive into like talking about the bodybuilding days from Arnold because I was training at, at Gold's Gym like a few weeks ago. In, in oh, that's, that's always been a dream of mine. I want great energy to train there. It's so fun. I, I'm skinny. I'm like athletic. I feel like a twig. If you like my dad asked me how it is to be in there. It's like I feel like a toothpick's in a box of cigar. Yep. Like Michael, <laughs> Michael Hearn is there and he's just like he's, he's skull crushing 245. Was he there when he was there when yeah, you were he was there with his dog? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a great spot. Kai green was there at one point. Terry crew was yeah. there. Uh, Arnold was there. I was training beside him. I didn't know he was that short. Um, yeah, he, he's yeah, he is. Yeah. I'm pretty tall, but I didn't know it was him until I noticed I had the security guard beside him <laughs> training. I was like, yeah. Oh, that's Arnold. He, we just, he still rides his bike there every day. Yeah. Yeah. Chains his bicycle up right outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great place to work out. Um, yeah. So let's go into like the, the muscle building phase, the psychology okay. of that, because that is um, yeah. for some people, it is a challenging one because they want to stay lean and they're trying to pack on a bunch of muscle, which, you know, is doable to a certain extent, but how would you kind of help people mentally prepare to go into like a proper muscle building phase, which we're doing at the end of this reverse diet. Right. Yeah. And there is a difference between a reverse diet and a muscle building phase because reverse diets, the intention is to get you up healthy and get all the, all your hormones back in check and get everything ready so that we can start getting into that building a muscle phase. Um, okay. So mentality for muscle building, this is, um, it, it's going to be a little bit different compared to like a competitor compared to just a normal person. And so we're talking more lifestyle. So I'll kind of gear it that way. Most competitors understand that like, Hey, I'm going to be gaining body fat. I'm going to mm -hmm not be as ripped. I, I don't care. I just want to pack on as much muscle as I can. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons to that. And sometimes that, that translates over to the lifestyle clients too, and everything. And they're like, well, these guys just eat everything in sight and then, you know, all that stuff. Right. But they're also on a lot of performance enhancing gears that changes the game. Yeah. Right. Like they, their metabolism is way higher than yours, um, yeah. unnaturally. Right. Cause they're on yeah. exogenous hormones. So we need to find that balance to where we're adding enough food to fuel your performance, to fuel your recovery, um, understanding that there, you're, you are going to put on body fat, right? But we, we don't want to do this whole seafood, eat food thing where we're just piling on all that stuff because there is going to be a cap to how yeah. many, you know, the, the, uh, what's it called? The like cost benefit analysis, right? Like there, yeah. you, there will be a point of diminishing returns to where you are eating more than what's contributing to muscle gain. Yeah. <clears throat> so getting people to understand that, Hey, this is not a free for all. This is not a, you know, go to a buffet three times a day type of deal. We want to, we want to still slowly approach this kind of like we do with the reverse diet in terms yeah. of weight gain per week, right. Mm -hmm. Or per month um, to make sure that we're, we're, kind of putting on equal amounts of muscle to body fat as we're kind of increasing up there because it's going to be a lot easier to take the body fat off. Yeah. Right. And we can do that in a way that we can preserve as much muscle as possible, but you are going to have to be prepared to be uncomfortable. Um, clothes, not fitting the same, your body, not looking the same. Um, and that once again, doesn't mean get sloppy fat, but yeah. you're also not going to be shredded like you are now understanding that eating might feel like a job at times. Yeah. Um, and you have to, 
Although you can be a little bit more relaxed with your diet and stuff than you are during a fat loss phase for obvious reasons, you know, we are trying to pack on a little bit more muscle and you're okay with a little bit more body fat. You still have to be disciplined and you Mm -hmm. still have to make sure that, you know, we're taking an adequate amounts of protein. We're still eating the highest quality foods we can possibly eat. We're focusing on sleep and we're focusing on recovery. I think that's one of the bigger issues that I have with people that are trying to go into a muscle building phase. Cause they just, they, they just feel like if they're not in the gym, they're not making progress. Yeah. Right. Um, I get it. I was there, been there before, but if you're not taking your recovery as seriously as you are, your, your training, you're going to start getting injured. You're going to start breaking down. You're not going to be able to keep training and progressing the way that you want to progress. You know, you, you have to, I'm not saying you have to spend more time outside of the gym than you do per week. Cause I, th- I think four to five days of training is very adequate for the majority of people out there. Yeah. I don't think hardly anybody needs to be weight training six to seven days a week. Yeah. I just, I'm a very big proponent of not that. <laughs> um, That's a lot. It's hard on the body. It is. I mean, it, so my perspective on that is, okay, if you're able to weight train six or seven days a week, you're probably not pushing hard enough. Yeah. Right. You should be pushing hard enough four or five days a week that you need, your body needs a couple of days off. Right. And then you give it a couple of days off. It doesn't mean that you're out doing a bunch of other stuff. You, you're just, you're relaxing. You're letting your body heal because that's where all the food that you're taking in is going to be repairing that broken down muscle. And you got to factor in your central nervous system and things like that too. your ligaments, your joints, they all need rest. And so you got to, you, you can't be in this sympathetic mode all the time, which is where you're at when you're active and you're training, you need to bring it down to that parasympathetic mode, that rest and relaxation mode. Yeah. That is where your body heals. That's where your body repairs and grows. So really switching people's mentality from, you know, okay, I'm feeling good because I'm, I'm able to train hard again. And I need to be training all the time to maximize this muscle, getting them to shift from that mentality to okay, I need to train adequately. Mm -hmm. And then I also need to rest adequately. Yeah. So that's, that's hard to do sometimes. That's hard to do with people. Um, Because the other thing is, is they're eating so much more food than they're used to that they, they just naturally have more energy. And so they want to, they feel like they can do more. They feel like they're super, right. And I also feel like they want to do more so that they don't put on as much fat. I feel like that's, that was a thought that I had in the past. Absolutely. They, they want to burn off all the calories that they're, yeah. they're taking in when it's like, okay, whether or not you're in a fat loss or your muscle gain or whatever, you know, calories in versus calories out is still going to determine weight gain or weight loss, but you need those calories to grow muscle. Muscle doesn't just grow on its own. It doesn't just yeah. grow on hopes and dreams. You, you, you need to have those calories. So if you're, you know, if you're taking in an extra three or 400 calories, right. But you're going and doing stuff and burning that all off it, you have a, a net, you have, you've just washed that out. Yeah. You know, so you're not, you're not providing that extra, those extra nutrients to support that growth. Yeah. You're just burning calories at that point. And that's where a lot of people get stuck and spin their wheels because they're afraid to put on weight. Yeah. So you have to like, you have to be mentally ready 
to go into it and to try to not match the calories that you're eating yeah. so that you can actually benefit from the muscle building phase. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to push as hard as you can. Uh, you want to be smart about it. You don't want to be trying to set PRs every week. Um, that's draining. Know, that's draining to do that. It, it's draining. It's hard on your joints. It's, it's hard on your central nervous system. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a big difference between strength training and hypertrophy training. Yeah. You know, yes, you can get strong and build muscle and yes, you can build muscle and get strong, but the, the components of how you go about training for that, like when you're bodybuilding, you can get strong, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about one rep max strength. Yeah. We're talking about strong in the five to 10, five to 12 rep range, yeah. right? It's a whole nother beast when you try to go to strength training, powerlifting type stuff, and you're trying to train for one rep max. You have, you have to train your system to be able to handle a one rep max. It's a yeah. lot different. And it's yes, you can build taxing. muscle. Yeah. And you can build muscle power yeah. lifting. Obviously we see very muscular power lifters, but yeah. most of that is coming from their bodybuilding accessory movements yeah. afterwards. So understanding what you're in the gym to do, mm-hmm. you're in the gym to build muscle. Okay. There's studies that I saw that we, we looked at during my grad program with uh, blood flow restriction, where you could, you could take, um, what was it? It was like 20, 20 or 25% of your one rep max while using blood flow restriction and using a, a set scheme of 30, 15, 15, and 15 reps. And you can build muscle that way. Yeah. As long as you're taking it to failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So understanding what your goal is and matching your training for that goal. If your if your goal is to go in there in the off season, build maximal muscle, you do not need to be training like a power lifter. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can't squat. That doesn't mean you can't bench. That doesn't mean you can't deadlift, but you have to understand that you need higher volume. Yeah. And if you're going to have higher volume, you need to drop down on the intensity a little bit. Yeah. So I think a lot of people go in there without a plan yeah. to building muscle and it, it, they just kind of start spinning their wheels and then they end up putting on more fat than they do muscle. Yeah. Um, and then when they cut down, they're very disappointed but you know, they, they program hopped, they went mm-hmm. from one program to another, they spent some time power lifting, they spent some time bodybuilding, they spent some time doing CrossFit, yeah. you know, it's, you got to have a very distinct plan and it can be mentally challenging to stick to one plan for an extended period of time. Yeah. People, people get bored. They want to move on, but you ask any great bodybuilder, any, anybody who's built a great deal of muscle out there, they will tell you this, the, the, the long-term boring, tedious programs are the ones that get you there. Yeah. That pro- just that progressive overload because you get yep. none of that when you're just program hopping. No. And, yeah. and you don't need a whole lot of fancy movements. You don't need a whole lot of change in movements. Yeah. You know, I, I break down a lot of my training into, you know, horizontal pressing, vertical pressing, horizontal rows, you know, meaning that you can pick whatever you want to do. That's going to mimic that plane of motion. Yeah. For that lift your, your body doesn't know your body doesn't know if you're using free weights or machines it knows tension yeah it it, it you know um dorian yates dorian yates mostly used machines to build yeah. his you know what six time five or six time mr olympia physique yeah ronnie coleman used pretty much all free weights you yeah. know 
Um, there's just no one way to skin a cat. There, there's many different ways, but understanding how your body works, being educated about the nutrition aspect, the training aspect is going to make your life and your mentality towards all of these different phases so much easier to handle. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, that's where like yeah. good programming and having a coach makes a difference. I feel, I feel like people program hop, like you said, the same way that they're approaching the nutrition. I'm just going to slash calories. And then where, however, I feel like next week, I'll do something different. However, I feel yeah. like the following, I'll do something different. But you don't get that, again, that progressive overload, which is kind of the secret to if, if you want to get stronger, build muscle. Um, yeah. I, I did train for powerlifting for like a year. Um, just, I would never do it again. Six foot four, small joints. No, I didn't feel that great. I saw, I still feel it. Um, but it's very taxing and there's a reason you can't do a lot of it. Like I was taking like four or five minute breaks. I think in between the sets, as you're working your web, like your body needs to rest. You can't just, you know, one rep PR every freaking set. Like it doesn't work that way. No, you, you, your central nervous system doesn't work that way. Yeah, but this is the best naps after after those workouts. Oh, yes, yes. A after a good powerlifting session, yes, you are completely completely worn out and stuff. But yeah, it's just you know, I think kind of all these phases that we've talked about. I think you know, kind of just boiling it down to have a plan, mm -hmm. understand the purpose of each phase, understand expectations of each phase. And don't try to go too fast. Try to go too fast in any of the phases. I mean, minus maintenance. Can't really go fast in maintenance. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you, you, you try to go get too far ahead of yourself um, and you try to do it on your own when you know that you're not good at being objective. Yeah. Then you're, you're going you're gonna to dig yourself a hole and you're going to find yourself each year or five years or 10 years down the road, just continuously in this vicious circle of never really achieving what you want to achieve. Anything great takes time. I like to say all the time, you know, I'll talk to people about, you know, a lot of people don't like, didn't like high school. Yeah. Right. They, they just, they had a horrible experience in high school, whatever, but they loved college. Mm -hmm. Right. But you can't just jump from middle school to college. You have to go through those hard times. Yeah. It's the same thing with any phase. Listen, as excited as you are, maybe about a fat loss phase or as excited you are about a muscle building phase or whatever, there are going to be times when you wish you were not going through that phase. Yeah, for sure. That doesn't make you strange. That makes you human. Yeah. Right. So learning, you know, how to fight through those challenges and learning how to, you know, embrace each difficulty you face in whatever phase you're in is just going to make you mentally stronger. And that should be, that should be as much of a goal as whatever physical phase, whatever physical transformation you're trying to get to. Yeah. You're not, if you're not getting stronger up here and you're not changing your lifestyle habits and, and all that stuff to me, what, what good is the goal? Yeah, absolutely. And cause goals come and go. Yeah. They, it, they're fleeting. Some of them, and I can share this now, but you know, when you do your initial fat loss phase, cause you're uncomfortable in your body, you're not kind of quite satisfied with like who you are and how everything looks. Once you go through that initial transformation you do the work and then you're like, for your physique, you just, not that you don't care, but you're just like, I'm good regardless if I'm a little bit leaner, if I have a bit more body fat 
it's a really powerful and fun place to be in of like, hmm, what do I want to do next? Like this cut, I didn't have to do it. I was like, I'll just do it so I can document it just for the fun of it. And now we're reverse dieting. And after that, I'm just like, what would be fun to do next? I can do a muscle building phase. Like I haven't done those in a while, right? It's just a place of You're able to do that because you got yourself to a healthy place. Yeah. When when you're healthy, you have options. Yeah. Like when you're rich, you have options. Yeah. You're rich in health when you have treated your body well, when you are at a good place to be like, Hey, I don't have to do this, but I want to do this. And it's not going to be bad for me. So let me go, let me go try this for a little bit. We got to the point where you're like, okay, I'm done. You know, I want to, I want to take the next year and build some muscle. Great. Let's do it. But you're only able to do that when you, when you do each phase properly, when you treat each phase properly and you don't try to rush through it. Yeah. So, Well, hey, David, I just I was just looking at this. Um, first, I want to say thank you for all your knowledge. Second, this is I think the longest podcast I've ever recorded. Um, yeah, we, we beat our, we beat a record. I think an hour and 45 minutes in. So Woo. got some peeps listening. Shout out to you guys. Hey, if you guys are all still listening at this point, then thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was honestly really insight- insightful. And I think like to have two coaches talk about some of those deeper insights and the bigger picture of like, you having been through it also and having helped a lot of people, I think it'd be really valuable for people. And so, man, I just want to say a massive thank you for taking, you know, almost two hours out of your busy day. Um, I appreciate it. Um, any, any last words that you want to share for, with, with the audience? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, we touched on it earlier. I mean, your, your kind of whole world is different than, than mine in terms of the you know, vegan and, and I'm not, but it still applies. Everything we've talked Absolutely. about applies to anybody. You know, I, I've worked with vegans. I've worked with people who've done keto. I've worked with, you know, every type of person that you, you can think of. And the concepts and the principles are still the same everywhere. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're not as far off different groups as people think and everything like that. So I, you know, I, I really hope that people, you know, understand that and realize that, you know, stuff, the people that I mostly deal with and everything like that are the same as, as the people that are listening to your podcast and the same things apply. Um, and I think hearing it from two different perspectives was, was great. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, give yourself enough time in each phase. Don't, I know I've said it multiple times, don't rush. Um, it's not going to matter. You know, you said it just a few minutes ago, you know, during this last cut, you're like, yeah, you know, if it takes me a few more weeks. It takes me a few more weeks to get there. Right. At the end of the day, if you can get to your goal and you're going to be in a place where you can sustain it and you feel good and healthy, you're not going to look back and say, Oh man, I, I wish that would have taken four less weeks or five yeah. less weeks or something like yeah, that. You don't care. When you treat your body with respect, it will respect you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Oh, beautiful. Well, David, thank you very much for jumping on the show. And for everyone who wants more information on David, I'll link um, everything down below, like your Instagram, your podcast, everything you have down there. So everyone can go awesome. and check him out. I'm sure he's open to, to getting questions. I'm sure you can reach out to him on Instagram. 100%. 100%. Just feel free. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoy this. And, you know, we both want you guys to uh, get this shared to as many people as possible because the things that we're talking about in here, I think we both feel need to get talked about a lot more. So... Hopefully it helps a couple of people out there. 
Absolutely. This was definitely the, like the non-sexy stuff, but the real stuff yeah. that needed to be <laughs> talked about. This is not like six pack shiny marketing. This is the real no, deal. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not this, but I think this will definitely help people. And I just want to thank you so much for having me back on. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that we can collaborate like this. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, man. For everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast episode, uh, just rate it. I think it's five five star on podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, let us know if you have any questions in the comment section. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support, please share it with others that would benefit from it. Share it on social media and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at FitVegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.